This morning, uh, let me invite you to open to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. We're going to pick up that passage in a few moments. But as we look at Mark 4, I'm also going to be asking us to look back at our own lives, the landscape, if you will, of this past year, 2020, and consider how God has been working uh, in the landscape of these past 12 months. To help us do that, I want to give you a picture to look at at the start of our time together this morning. Let's see if I can advance this forward. This is a famous painting by Peter Bruegel the Elder. It was painted uh, coming up on 500 years ago. And Bruegel was one of the great leaders of the Flemish and Dutch Renaissance. Some of our Dutch families will perhaps uh, recognize his painting and know that he uh, was well known for capturing vistas all over Europe and in particular in his native Holland. So I want you to take just a few seconds and, and glance at the painting behind me or on your screen at home. And think about what, what do you see? What do you notice with a, a brief glance? Maybe you notice the, the farmer there in the foreground of the painting. Maybe you notice the mountains along the back. Maybe you see the church down near the water in the town below. And of course, the, the vista is beautiful. The first thing I notice about this painting is, is how attractive the landscape is. But something you may not know about Bruegel's paintings is that not only is he a master of, of capturing beauty, but he's also known to tell stories through his paintings. He captures small details that you wouldn't notice at first glance. So I wonder if it would change the way you see this painting and the things you see in this painting if you knew its title. The title of the painting is The Parable of the Sower. And so with, with that recognition that that is what this painting is, that that's the story it intends to tell, I want you to look again at this image a little more slowly. But as you look at it, I want to read for you the words of Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 9, which is the beginning part of Jesus' parable of the sower. But as we look at the painting, but also hear the word of God, let me pray for us this morning. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for the gift of your word to us. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear it. Lord, open our hearts to receive it now. Lord, may the seed of your word find fertile ground in us. May it grow the life of Jesus in us in response to it. Lord, may the words of my mouth as I teach today, may the meditations of every heart as they hear the word today, may these things be pleasing in your sight. It's in the name of Jesus, our rock and our redeemer, that I pray. 
Amen. Okay, so continue to look at the image, but now hear the word of God as you see the image. And if you're listening at home and you don't have the image clearly before you, let me suggest pausing, maybe printing it off or finding it in a browser. Again, you can Google Brugel and the parable of the sower. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I wonder as you heard the word of God, but also looked a second time at this painting, whether you made some connections between those two things, some new connections on second glance. I wonder if you noticed that the, the farmer in the foreground was the sower of the word. Maybe you noticed the rocky conditions of the soil. Maybe you noticed the birds of the air in the painting. I wonder if any of you actually noticed there in the background, down by the water, Jesus, the storyteller, and the crowd who has gathered around him by the sea. Right, there, are, there are dozens of little details even beyond these, if you, if you get a good look at the painting, find a good copy of it, that are sort of hidden away, tucked away in Brugel's painting. And I think that the point that Brugel seems to be making in the way he has captured this is to remind us that God, in the, the bringing of his word to us, in the ministry of his word to us, doesn't always do that in, in big, bold print, in obvious ways. The word of God to us is not always easy for us to see or to hear. Sometimes God's word takes some looking. It takes some searching. It takes a genuine desire to really want to see and hear what God is sowing, what God is speaking what God would show us in his word. And so today marks the, the last Sunday of 2020. 
And there is probably part of every one of us that wants this year to be over now, wants to sort of forget about 2020. I've been reading that, that some are planning to have gatherings on New Year's Eve to burn their calendars or burn their day planners from this year to be rid of what's taken place. But before we jump on that bandwagon, before we turn the page of this year, I wonder if there might be merit in in allowing the Spirit to go back through the year we've just come through and to see it as its own kind of parable. A year where God has likely been revealing his word to us in the soil of our souls. And thanks to pandemics and thanks to election years and thanks to other stressors in our daily lives, my guess is that God has probably done some unearthing in 2020 that would be good to pay attention to. If you think back over this past year, maybe he's revealed in us our fearful hearts. Maybe he's exposed where we are limited in our patience. Maybe he's uncovered the vulnerabilities in a particular relationship in our lives. With those things, are we willing to receive what his word has shown to us, what it's revealed to us in those places? On the other hand, maybe the Word of God has revealed some really beautiful and vibrant things in this past year to you. Maybe he's given you greater intimacy with family members, time to be together in new ways. Maybe he's given you new spaces, new practices to walk more closely, more faithfully, more trusting with him in each and every day. My question would be then, how can we continue to receive God's word to to allow it to grow and multiply its seeds of change in those ways? Whatever has been tilled up for you this year, I want to issue you a challenge. Do not miss the opportunity to grow into, to receive from God what he has revealed through a very unexpected 12 months. In 2020, what has God used to reveal the condition of your soul before him? As we think about how we notice those things, how we do that well, I want us to actually look at the second half of the teaching on this parable. It starts in in verses 10 and goes through to 20 as, as Jesus begins to explain it. If you have your Bible, let me encourage you to, to take it out. As I, as I walk through this with us. But to begin with, the, the disciples, they hear what Jesus has to say among the crowds, but they make a confession to Jesus. They tell Jesus, you know what? We're actually not very good at understanding your teaching, Jesus. In particular, if you look at, at this parable in, in multiple Gospels, you'll see that they're basically asking Jesus, what's with the parables? Why are you teaching in this way? Jesus, why not give us bullet point sermons? Why not give us three-point alliterated passages that we can 
easily digest. Jesus, why are you taking the kingdom's treasures and burying them in stories about seeds and dirt and thistles and birds? Why does Jesus teach like this? In his book about the parables called Tell It Slant, Eugene Peterson says this. He says, a parable is not an explanation. In fact, it does not make a thing easier. It makes it harder by requiring our participation, by entering the story. If you look at the passage, as Jesus makes clear in verse 9, he says his stories are meant to basically sort of weed out those who are just sort of casually observing and those who really want to hear, really want to listen. Jesus says, my stories, my teaching are for disciples who enter into what I say with their own lives, who take the seed and receive it. And so he says, this teaching is only for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. The parable, then, that Jesus goes on to explain in verse 11 and following, he says, is meant to teach us that physical hearing of God's word isn't enough. Think about conversations you have, especially with family members, where someone begins to tell you about something they want you to remember or something from their day, and you find that 30 seconds, 60 seconds, five minutes into the conversation, you notice that you've been listening, but you haven't really been listening, right? You go, wait, sorry, what did you say? Can you start over? Right? Physical hearing is not enough. The power of God's word to, to do anything in us, to bear any kind of tangible fruit, Jesus says it depends on the condition of our souls, or in this case, on the condition of our soils in the parable. And it's where those two things meet, that the soil of our life and the seed of God's word that this parable is about. It's, it's about how the word intersects our ability to receive it. And so Jesus says in verse 13 that the farmer goes out to sow the word. Everywhere, always, Jesus says, the, the sower is doing this. Indiscriminately, God is casting his word, casting his grace. To every person, in every moment, even in a year like 2020, God has been casting his word among us. But we're not always ready to notice or to care about the word he's placed before us, right? Sometimes we're, we're so fully distracted by the enemy that we barely notice the word's presence among us before it's taken away, before it disappears. Other times we may sense that God is, is speaking or saying something to us, but before we really respond to it, uh, a season of discouragement comes. And that word to us withers away. Sometimes we sense God speaking something to us. We sense that the word applying to our lives and we give it 
a little spot of soil in our lives to begin to grow. But we reserve the, the greater portion, the most fertile soil in our lives for other things, for other desires. And eventually those things grow up and choke out what God had hoped to do in us. But in verse 20, what Jesus really wants us to key in on here is what happens when his word meets with good soil. A soil that he describes, right, is not only just physically hearing the word, but a soil that receives it, a soil that personalizes it, a soil that lives from that word. Jesus says that soil is capable of an exponential harvest. Right? That soil has real potential for growth to take place. But as anyone who is a decent gardener or a farmer will tell you, right, good soil doesn't just happen. Right? Good soil requires careful attention to it. And usually after you pay attention to the soil, that's usually followed up by some sweaty, hard work. To have good soil, you have to pull up rocks. To have good soil, you have to fertilize the ground. To have good soil, you have to weed the place that's being planted. To have good soil, you have to turn up and, and till up the soil. And you don't do that just one time, right? You do these things month after month, year after year, season after season. In the same way, right, the word of God given to us, it has wildly different outcomes in our lives depending on the reception we have given it. Now let me be clear, I'm not indicating or, or teaching some kind of works righteousness here. Right? All the power that we possess for growth and for transformation and for fruitfulness, it's not in the soil, it's contained in the seed of God's word. It's, it's in the embryo of his grace faithfully sown among us and to us. But it is up to us, Jesus says, to have ears to hear, eyes to see, the ability to pay attention to the gift of his grace that he keeps scattering on us. We can give our careful attention to what he's teaching. We can enter into the story Jesus intends to tell with our lives. I wonder what that's looked like for you this year. So I've shared in recent months that the past seven, eight, going on nine months have not been particularly easy ones for me personally, as I'm sure they have not necessarily been for you either. Yet I found that in these months, God has been kindly exposing in my life the places he wants to reach and to sow his grace and to sow his word more deeply. Jesus has been teaching me in these months that I am loved by him before anything I do, before any accomplishment, before any ministry. Jesus has opened up space in this year to remember 
the opportunity I have to live out of the love he has for me and to demonstrate that in the way that I'm present to and loving and serving my family in the first place. In this past year, God has invited me to remember how to carry his word with me in, in constancy, right? to remember his presence with me throughout the course of a given day or a given week. Because things have changed, right? In, in, in the course of a week, we, we find circumstances radically changing this year. And so we recognize how important it is to carry his word with us. And even though I've been discouraged throughout these past months, I'm slowly noticing that God has been growing new fruit. The things are emerging from the soil of this year. But where that's happening, it's come from disciplined listening to the voice of his spirit. Disciplined application of the word he's spoken to me. And then taking next steps of obedience. Right? Receiving and giving space to his word. One of the ways that I want to commend to you this morning, that you might practice that yourself at the end of this year, is through the spiritual discipline of reflection, or what some traditions have called examination. And the way I think about spiritual reflection is sort of like what we did at the beginning of this message in looking at that painting. Right? You, can, you can see a painting like that and, and walk by it quickly and, and gain sort of a superficial impression. You may have wanted to move quickly through this year and be done with it so that you can move on to something new. But spiritual reflection calls us to, to slow down and to notice and to pay attention to the details, to notice what's really in the painting, to notice what's really in the soil of our lives, to notice the story that God is telling us. So I've actually created a, a worksheet or a, sort of a, a front and back handout that you could print off today. It went out in the email yesterday. I think there's another email coming your way this morning. You can print that off. You can pull it up on your phone or your tablet. But there are some questions there to help you think back through this past year. Where has God been working with you in the circumstances of 2020? As you, as you pray through the past year, what story is God telling in your life? Which scriptures has he drawn your attempt, attention to throughout this past year? How do those things fit together? And to find that exercise useful, you might want to spend half an hour, 45 minutes, take out a journal or, or someplace to write down your ideas. You might also want to take that time and, and break it up into smaller pieces in your prayer times or quiet times with God this week. But the basic question you're asking in that time is where has Jesus been speaking his word to me this year? Where has God's word found new places to grow in your soul this year? Where has God's word struck upon rocky or thorny patches this year? And how can we prayerfully invite the Holy Spirit's presence to, 
to help us see these things and to ask him to guide us in our next steps, in our ability to hear what he has to say, to trust that word he's given us, and then to follow him in obedience. I want to conclude this morning with a prayer that's also a poem. And at the end of that prayer, Sherry's going to play a few minutes of, of music, and I would invite you to take that time to pray through the past year, to invite God to show you moments and times and events in this past year and, and where he has been present to you in those things, what he would have you grow in as a result. Let me share this prayer with you. It's by the, the English poet Malcolm Geit. It's called Good Ground. I love your simple story of the sower with all its close attention to the soil, its movement from the knowledge to the knower, its take on the tenacity of toil. I feel the fall of a seed a sower scatters, so equally available to all. Your story takes me straight to all that matters yet understands the reasons why I fall. Oh, deepen me where I am thin and shallow. Uproot in me the thistle and the thorn. Keep far from me that swiftly snatching shadow that seizes on your seed to mock and scorn. Oh, break me open, Jesus, set me free then find and keep your own good ground in me. Amen.